0: So I do sincerely apologize for the late podcast. Um, It's hard waking up at 2.30 when uh, you're coming out of a four-day weekend. So I slept through about all 60 of my alarms, waking up feeling um, panic and terror. That feeling when you wake up and you don't hear buzzing that's driving you crazy and you know something's wrong. So anyways, uh, because of my mistake, this is going to be a shorter episode because I just don't have time in the afternoons. But we're going to do it. And um, tomorrow, the, the thing I had to really resist doing is what I need to do tomorrow. We're going to be talking a lot more about the supplemental draft. And Tony Pauline is really trying to egg me on to get me to talk about it today, but I'm not going to do it. Um, but suffice it to say, there's some pretty big news. Big as, you know, whatever. But according to Mr. Tony Pauline, the prize possession of the, uh, that's probably not a good way to put it, the <laughs> the, the top prize of the supplemental draft safety, Jalen Thompson, apparently had a pretty big um, group of people checking him out, about 26 teams in attendance, and he singled out one team in particular that seems extremely interested in him that um, met with him this afternoon, which is around now-ish, and that team was the Green Bay Packers. I had mentioned a few days ago that I probably wouldn't pursue it just because of the price and the um, the fact that we have two starting safeties. And so we're looking at it and saying either we're looking for that number three or we're looking for essentially just a backup to, you know, our free safety or whatever. And is that worth sort of a second round value, which is what he was being pegged as. And in fact, some people at the time that I talked about it said, that he was possibly even going to be taken in the first round, which seemed really surprising. But um, now, apparently, there's talk that he could be more around the fourth round range, which is a much more comfortable range. And beyond that, the the formatting and, and looking at it and saying, I shouldn't be talking this much about it, but I, I can't stop, man. I get on, get going, and I just can't stop. The bottom line is it comes down to, can you get a really good football player for the right value on your football team? That's all a GM is, is ultimately caring about. Secondarily, they're looking at the roster construction. Well, we already have two safeties, and let's face it, beyond the two that we have, zero of which we have any 100% certainties about. Amos, we're pretty sure, but we don't know what he is outside of the Bears and in, in a new scheme. And uh, Savage, we know basically nothing about in terms of how he's going to play as a professional. Regardless of that, however, the, as I said, construction of the roster is secondary to the GM's primary job, which is stacking talent. And there is another great talent out there that the Packers know about, that the Packers like a lot, and it really just comes down to, is this the player that you're looking for? Is this the kind of guy that you want on your team? And apparently it is. Because my son somehow got through very tight security here in my studio to ask me for more ryan's toy review so that's that's cool i don't know how he got through security i'm gonna have to talk to somebody and ultimately similar to what i've said regarding the draft anyways prior to the draft and i hammered this over and over and over again in anticipation of the packers taking somebody that i wasn't super excited about like rashawn gary for example not saying i don't like the pick i'm just saying that was one of the ones where i said that would be one room at least scratching my head a little bit but the point that i had made was if the packers take them they're the ones that understand the scheme fit. They're the ones that understand that this is the right person at the right value. And it just comes down to do you trust Brian Gudekost. Everything prior to that is just me playing GM for fun. I don't I I haven't watched all of his tape, like the Packers have, with, with the full knowledge of what the scheme is that we're running, what our deficiencies are on the team. I, I don't have that access to that information and how those two things marry together. But apparently, Brian Gudekunz, I mean, this could all be fluff or whatever. You know, you, you get people super jacked up, try to raise the, the price to get some rival to throw up a third round pick on him or something. Who, know, who knows what's going on? But I tend to think that this is somewhat real considering the amount of resources being put into it, the fact that they're actually going through with the meeting and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is if the Packers don't draft him, they didn't see the value. If the Packers draft him, they see the value. And if we trust Brian Gudekunst, the fact of the matter is if we get him, let's say, at the you know mid-fourth round, then we got what the Packers feel is a good value. That means he is a, you know, r- regardless of what you're going to hear online from all the people who think they know stuff, the fact of the matter is he is a scheme fit. He is all those questions of is he a fit, is he this, is he that. The answer is yes, according to the people that know the most. Right, how do I know that? If Brian Gutekunst left the Packers tomorrow, he would be, every one of these news agencies would be hounding him to please come and be the expert in all things. And he would be. He would he would be the, the biggest insider and the biggest everything about everything. If you want to know something about the Green Bay Packers and the scheme they're running and all that stuff, you would ask Brian Gutekunst. He would be the, the foremost authority on these things. Even a year after, after he's been gone, he would still be. But since he's the actual GM and he's actually tied in, we all pretend that he doesn't know what he's doing and we know what's going on. It's an interesting, fun little game. But it is exciting and, and we may have, you know, I mean, it's essentially a 1 in 32 chance but we do know, and it shouldn't actually even be all that surprising. I should know by now that if, if there's red meat hanging out there, Brian Gutekunst is at the front of the line waiting to get a piece. It's been that way since he's had the job. I, again, the, the first year of free agency, it was just, you know, there are four teams in, interested. Packers are one of them. There's six teams interested in this guy. The Packers are one of them. and they, they were interested in calling about everybody. And then, of course, this past year we go out and get all these free agents. It's a new era, and I should just expect these things. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. And again, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more um, on the supplemental draft uh, in general. Today, however, six and a half minutes in, we're not talking about the supplemental draft or Jalen Thompson. We've got a few other things on the agenda. And again, we're going to cut it a little bit short today, but uh, is what it is. Let's take our break and uh, we'll dive into whatever. So the first thing I want to get out of the way is, I, I have said over the past, I don't know, however long, it's it's the off season there's a whole bunch of little Twitter feuds that are going on or whatever, and one of the things is a lot of Packer fans are in the camp that says Devontae Adams is a top five wide receiver, and I have said that I disagree only because I have such a massive amount of respect for the guys that are in the top five. The announcement is essentially... <laughs> I'm slowly coming around to the fact that it might, it may be true. I mean, you know, PFF doesn't agree, and it it wouldn't necessarily shock me if there was some definitive metric that says he's outside of that range or whatever. But I'm I'm slowly coming around to the fact that maybe we don't exactly know how good he. I mean, well, okay, obviously Packer fans have been saying it for some time. It it's just. It, you know, it, it's one of those things, you ever you ever have it where, it's almost like in a movie, one of those suspense thriller things or whatever, where there's little breadcrumbs that get laid all over and you see it, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, the the guy who's the detective, like, gets these big bug eyes and he's like, oh! and then you get all the flashbacks with, like, the whoosh sound, and you're, like, getting all these memories of things that happened in the movie and they all kind of come together and make this picture. I kind of had one of those moments with Devante. You know, Aaron Rodgers basically laying the groundwork saying that... The, the level of frustration he has with the fact that they don't give him the ball more, despite the fact that he gets the ball a lot, I mean, that in and of itself doesn't make him top five, but then I started thinking about Darius Slay and how he's talking about, I'm locked down on this, I'm that, I'll shut everybody down, but he's got this one guy <laughs> that he almost sort of concedes, all right, this guy's kind of got my number, I can't seem to stop him. Then just today I see that there is Xavier Rhodes talking to... to uh, mr brian baldinger which if you haven't seen these videos that he's been cranking out i mean some of these are from a while ago but i'm just starting to see some of these and some of them are new but these are awesome videos but brian baldinger's talking to xavier rhodes and i'll I'll see what all is going on here and and what the rest of the the video is but it's a little clip and in this clip brian baldinger asks him who the top three wide receivers are number one he says is julio jones Number two, he says is Antonio Brown, and this is what he had to say for number three. And man, like we said, I want to tell you, Adam, this guy is unbelievable. And I told him after the game, I said, I've seen you from the first time you got to now. Yeah. Tremendous chance. Yeah. So you improved your game so much. And I told him, I'm proud of you, bro. I love going against you. I know going in this game. I'm gonna have to get my stuff together. I know I'm gonna have to call my mom. My dad. I don't call my phone. I don't want to talk to nobody. This is I'm I, I'm laser focused. I know I'm not trying to miss a second of anything. I want to know if he put his right toe up. If he moved his right foot, I want to know. I want to what route is that. And really, the the revelation sort of that hit me wasn't necessarily ha ha he is top five, but it was sort of a what if kind of thing. What if. It, it's not just Aaron Rodgers that's being held back by Mike McCarthy in this offense. What if Aaron Rodgers knows what I don't know and what maybe some other people don't know? He sees, as I talked about whatever it was yesterday or two days ago, where he just sees what's going on and he's trying to tell us, right, run the table. He wasn't, he wasn't saying it in hopes that it could make it magic happen. He was saying it, telling us that he knows what this team is. He's he he's talking about Devontae Adams knowing full well not what he is but what he should be. If we were using him properly, if we got him the ball more and used him the correct way, what not what he is, what he should be. What is Darius Slay telling us? What is it what is it that everybody in the NFL already knows about Devontae Adams? I know this seems small but it, it's it feels big for me right now. Because Being top 10 is is big. Being top 10 is is awesome, right? There's a lot of really, really, I mean, Mike Evans and, and, you know, Thielen Diggs, whoever you want to put in the top 10 category, top 15 even, just incredible guys. Xavier Rhodes put Devontae Adams with Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. He didn't say DeAndre Hopkins. He didn't say Michael Thomas or Keenan Allen or Tariq Hill or Odell Beckham. He didn't say A.J. Green, Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton. He didn't say Kenny Galladay. He didn't say Juju Smith-Schuster or Amari Cooper. He didn't say Brandon Cooks. Now, I know, you know, Darius Slay, Xavier Rhodes, Aaron Rodgers, what do they have in common? They're all in the NFC North. Aaron Rodgers is on the team. Darius Slay's in the NFC North. Xavier Rhodes is in the NFC North. It's a respect thing, and they see him a lot, so it, it gets to be one of those things where you, you get to know him. How many times has Xavier Rhodes gone up against Michael Thomas? I don't know. I know at least once, I don't know how many times outside of that. But again, it's just one of those oh my goodness revelations that and I, it's it's frustrating because it feels like it's been sitting right at my my feet this whole time. We're so focused. I'm so focused on what is LaFleur going to do for Aaron Rodgers? What is LaFleur going to do for the offense? What is LaFleur going to do for MVS or EQ? What is Lafleur gonna do for that, da, 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 for Aaron Jones, Dexter Williams, Jamal? Every single person I've asked that question about. It never even occurred to me what's gonna happen to Devonte Adams when Lafleur gets gets into this offense. What happens when not only is Aaron Rodgers cut loose, but Devonte is cut loose? The the only thing, the only time I've ever really referenced that directly was when I talked about one particular route. Or, or I guess, I don't even know if you call it a route, and I forget what it's called now, option or something to that effect, but essentially what it is, is you're going to choose what direction to go, the wide receiver I'm talking about, either you cut in or you cut out, or you angle in, angle out, whatever it is, you choose left or right based on whatever you want to do and the quarterback just anticipates or doesn't even necessarily anticipate, just waits for you to make that decision and then throws. Devontae Adams, when given the freedom, because we know his footwork and his route running is just second to none in the NFL. It's beautiful. It's it's maybe some other things where he doesn't quite match up. He's not as fast or as big, as strong as Julio Jones, but his route running is unbelievable. You give this man a built-in design that says, your job is to run right at that wide receiver or at that corner, stop and then you decide how you want to get away from him, and then the quarterback will throw it to you. It it, it feels like that was a a route built for Devontae Adams. If that never existed in the NFL, it should have been manufactured for a guy like Devontae Adams. I, I just feel like there is this impending storm coming that has just been sitting right in front of my face this whole time, and I never saw it. As much as everybody already knows Devontae Adams is a good wide receiver, I don't know if any of us truly know it. And there's a part of me that wonders if we're about to find out this year. Now, there's still a question of, is this actually going to work? Is the offense actually going to be functioning? And that da, 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 da. If it is, what is that going to do for a guy like Devontae Adams? Th- think about this. It's something else that fits into this picture kind of nicely. Look at what happened when Aaron Rodgers went down. Jordy Nelson was essentially useless. Randall Cobb, nobody on this entire offense was of any use whatsoever. Devontae Adams looked like he didn't lose a step. Aaron Rodgers makes wide receivers. Devontae Adams makes quarterbacks. I'm not saying he makes Aaron Rodgers. I'm saying he can go somewhere else and make him look good. He can play with Deshaun Kaiser and make it look like Deshaun Kaiser knows what he's doing out there. And although the, the very next year... Aaron Rodgers was back. The offense was just as hampered as it was when Aaron Rodgers wasn't on the field. It was trash. It was terrible. It didn't work. It didn't function. It didn't make sense. And this is right in the prime of Devontae Adams' career. He just started getting it going, and all of a sudden everything falls apart. But what I'm saying is, what's going to happen? Well, let me ask you this. Would you say in your mind right now that Brandon Cooks is one of the better wide receivers in the NFL? Call it top 20? I think, I think that's without question. Here's another question What was Brandon Cook's prior to going to LA and playing in this Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur offense? He was a wide receiver with a lot of tools that underperformed. Let me just give you the PFF breakdown. Three years with the New Orleans Saints. Here's where, here were his grades 68, 72, 73. The next year he goes to New England. The very next year, 2018, he goes to the Rams, 81.2. 60, 70, 70, 70, 81. I got a better one for you. Robert Woods. Robert Woods spent four years in Buffalo. 63, 68, 61, 71. His first year with the Rams, 81. Same exact jump that Brandon Cooks made. The next year in 2018, 86.4. They have one of the better wide receiver duos in the NFL right now. Both of these guys were irrelevant before they went to the Rams. They're taking mediocre wide receivers and making them great. What does a great wide receiver do in a Sean McVay offense with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, not Jared Goff? Do you get why I'm saying maybe... Just maybe I was wrong, and, and and technically I wasn't necessarily even wrong because I'm looking backwards and saying he hasn't been top 10. Looking forward, I think there's a very good case to be made that he not only has been top 5 in terms of, of you know what corners view as being difficult to guard, but will show everybody what a top 5 wide receiver looks like. I, I just... I don't know, maybe I'm just in a mood right now, but I just, I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about the mediocrity of the, the St. Louis Rams, and the effect that, you know, we can, we can pump up Sean McVay, he did a fantastic job, is doing a fantastic job, part of what he does is bring culture and excitement and all that, but this offense has taken mid-tier, mediocre guys that were not performing, and made them fantastic. What's going to happen to Devontae Adams? What's going to happen to Marquez Valdez-Scantling? What's going to happen to Geronimo Allison and Equinemius St. Brown? What are they going to do with Jay Sternberger? What is going to happen to Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis? What's going to happen to Aaron Jones? What's going to happen to Jamal and Dexter Williams? What's going to happen to Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams? My hope is that the Packers can reach 10 wins. My hope is that the Packers can be competent as a football team. I don't know that the light bulb ever fully switched to what the full potential is. And again, it's no guarantee. Lafleur maybe isn't Sean McVay. Maybe he's not Kyle Shanahan. Maybe he just can't do it. Because again, it's beyond the scheme. Anybody can take a playbook and apply it. Anybody can rip a playbook off of Madden and say, okay, here's the plays and pick from the plays and see if it works. It doesn't work that way. But if it does, how lethal is this offense? The Rams aren't going to be as good as the Packers. The Packers are starting with better quality players than the Rams have. Better wide receivers, better, well, I don't know about running back. Well, with, with Gurley Hurt, better running back. Much better quarterback. I think if this offense reaches its full potential, the 2011 Packers offense, <laughs> I'm not going to get too crazy here. Let's just say that's a, a bar that could be reached once again. If it happens this year, next year, or ever, I don't know but what this offense has done for players and what it can do for players, especially a team like the Green Bay Packers with guys like Devontae Adams, with the greatest quarterback in the NFL currently, with young, unbelievably talented wide receivers, knowing what they can do for tight ends with guys like Jimmy Graham, who maybe aren't what they were, but given the right offense, given the right tools, can be special. I'm choking, man. I'm I'm choking with excitement. Jay Sternberger, I've been saying, he was the best tight end in the draft. Sounds dumb. I know. That's coming from an unqualified scout. Prior to the pick, though, I watched him and I was super excited. And I know Hawkinson is, is way, way above what he was as an, overall wide receiver, as an overall receiver. Pro Football Focus said there was not a better receiver than Jay Sternberger in the tight end class. I absolutely agree with that. That's not even surprising to me. I don't know what he ever would have been with Mike McCarthy. My expectation for Jay Sternberger is is on the the basement floor because of what I've seen the Packers do, wasting tight end talent over the years. But this isn't Mike McCarthy. This is an offense being run by somebody who really, really, really understands the offense, who has been the right-hand man of Kyle Shanahan for a very long time. I mean, by, by all rights, and and really without question, Matt LaFleur is, was more immersed in this system prior to becoming a head coach than Sean McVay ever was. Sean McVay just got launched into the, the head coach. He, di- he didn't put in the work that LaFleur has put in. And I, Obviously, this isn't to denigrate him. I'm just saying to have fear that LaFleur can't do what Sean McVay did is silly. And even for me to look at the Titans and say, well, it wasn't a good first year, Sean McVay was the offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins from 2014 to 2016. The Washington Redskins were 4-12 and in his first year. They went 9-7 and the year after that. And then in his final year, 8-7-1. and Then the Rams go off and hire him as a head coach, and look what he's done. Now, I know he's not the head coach, so wins, losses isn't exactly everything, but they were, they were 12th in points, 15th in turnovers, 14th in touchdowns, in passing touchdowns, 21st in rushing yards, I'm cherry-picking the bad ones because there's some good ones in there, but the the point is, there wasn't just this clear picture that Sean McVay is this elite, you know, great person that when he becomes a head coach is going to be what Sean McVay is. Nobody could have possibly known that. But again, as, as far as being able to understand the Kyle Shanahan system, remember in, in 2013, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator of the Redskins. Matt LaFleur was a quarterback's coach. Sean McVay was a tight ends coach. By all rights, who's higher up on that list? It's Matt LaFleur. When Shanahan reemerges because he basically goes to the Browns for a year, the coach is there and then resigns because Johnny Manziel, he's being told, has to be the the quarterback. Kyle Shanahan looks at him and says, no, I'm not doing that. So he quits. He goes over to the Atlanta Falcons, and who does he bring along with him to be his quarterback coach? Matt LaFleur. So the, the, the point is, he's been immersed in this for an unbelievably long time. And while Sean McVay was being the offensive coordinator for the Redskins, Matt LaFleur was continuing to learn underneath the offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan. And that, of course, is when the Atlanta Falcons just completely blew up. So it is exciting. You know, I I try to have tempered expectations because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to be, but I I think at the very least what I should do and I think what we should do is while we have a measured look at this and say, okay, there's no guarantee the Packers are going to be very good they could win six games again, they've got a tough schedule, you know, 10 wins is a is a decent benchmark to say, hey, that was a good season, 12 wins is a great season, but I, I don't know that I've fully uncovered, and I think it's fair to assess it and say, best case scenario, this is basically an unbeatable team. If Matt LaFleur has any bit of similar success to what uh, Sean McVay has done for the Rams, or for what Kyle Shannon, and I know the 49ers aren't an elite team, but we've seen the unbelievable creativity that's been there. And they've had terrible luck with their quarterback being injured and everything else. But you've got guys that have no business being at the top of the charts like Matt Breida, just coming out of nowhere, tearing it up in the run game. You've got guys like Kittle and and, and just emerging left and right that are just that are, that are tearing up the league. with Who knows who it is playing quarterback? The machine that is this offense is unparalleled right now in the NFL. You could say the Andy Reid thing is... is kicking off pretty well also you know Andy Reid Matt Nagy etc etc that's also pretty fantastic but the the bottom line is and I'm going to leave it alone stop repeating myself if he can turn this thing over and run the same system with the similar amount of and I I don't mean success in terms of measuring how good they're doing I'm I'm talking about can implement the system as well as Sean McVay Kyle Shanahan or even the the Naggies and the the Reeds and everybody else just just make it work the way it's supposed to work. I don't know why the Packers wouldn't be the top team. Because of all the teams that have these great systems with great head coaches running them, the Packers have the best quarterback of any one of them. And yes, I'm including Pat Mahomes in that. I know he had a good year, but I'm not going to say he's better than Aaron Rodgers. Because he's not. Of those systems who has a better wide receiver on their team than Devontae Adams. And by the way, if there, if there is a comparison of all these teams, the, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Rams, the 49ers, um, the Colts, the Bears, if there is a comparison that you can draw, it's the Chiefs. Elite quarterback, great number one wide receiver. Although I think we have a better running back and a better offensive line. Not as good of a tight end. But we'll see what happens. Anyways, I don't go full homer too often, so it feels good to just unload once in a while. We'll see what happens, man, but everything's there. everything is there to to have a to have the the Chiefs and the Rams offense, but with a better defense. No, we don't have Aaron Donald, but we also don't have Clay Matthews and Dante Fowler on the outside. I don't know man I, I just I just need the season to start. I can't take this anymore, man. I'm going to flip out. I <laughs> just I need to see it. I need to know, give me an answer. Give me the answer. Anyways, I think Billy Madison is a good way to end this. You folks, enjoy the rest of your day. Tomorrow we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the supplemental draft because that's going on, I believe, around noon tomorrow. We'll see if the Green Bay Packers have a new addition to the squad. Enjoy your day. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.